Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford in for Tony on Tony Katz today. Having a very important discussion here today on some crime reduction initiatives. And uh, these are bills that have been introduced in Indiana, the Indiana General Assembly. But I think these are initiatives I think any major city should be looking at all across the city and clearly or all across the country. And, uh, and, and I think it's very important uh, for us to, to be fighting for uh, here in Indiana and Indianapolis specifically. Here in the studio with me, I've got State Senator Aaron Freeman, uh, who has uh, authored and introduced Senate Bill 8. This would restrict some third-party organizations, including charitable organizations like uh, the Bail Project, um, from stepping in and, and, and posting bond on felonies uh, when that person has not bonded out on their own. Um, but there are four more bills here. And also in studio, uh, I've got FOP, FOP President Rick Snyder uh, representing an awful lot of police officers uh, right here in central Indiana. And Rick, I, I want to ask you, as you look at this list um, and these five bills, as a police officer, what, what gets you excited about having an impact on Indianapolis crime? All of them. <laughs> they, uh, they, in all seriousness, I mean, they really address so many of the key points that we have been making for over two years now. That's and when I say we, it's not just our Indianapolis FOP, but trusted voices like Reverend Charles Harrison in the community. You know, we raised the uh, red flags back in the fall of 2019, and 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 called for all hands on deck and challenged our local uh, officials in charge to tackle this issue. And they not only didn't do it, but they literally in uh, February of 2020 publicly rejected it. And we had a quadruple murder that night, immediately after the meeting. And we had leaders in our community, like the Indianapolis mayor, but also the president of the council, Val Bosley, and the chair of the public safety committee, Leroy Robinson, who stepped to the podium, uh, really told all of us to be quiet, said that they had a plan and uh, to just trust them. Well, we've been asking for two years, where's the plan? There, here's the deep secret in all this. There is no plan. There is no plan. And the results speak for themselves. That's why we called for a commission on criminal justice outcomes, because we knew that if people started looking at the outcomes, they would find what our officers know, which is that often if one or both of the parties involved in a violent incident had been held accountable for prior bad acts, one or both of them couldn't have been there for that latest incident of violence to occur. Now, we just saw that proven correct with our Marion County courts who just took this step of rescinding their support for an organization. And again, it's not about any one organization. That's what I really like about mm -hmm. these different bills that address the charitable bell issue, because this, this organization can go away tonight and it's immediately going to be backfilled with another one. This is a national uh, um, issue that's going on throughout our country, through every major city. And so we're not only asking the question about how do we fix this stuff here in Indianapolis, but there's a bigger question at hand, which is how did it come about to begin with? Who brought these charitable bell organizations in? How did this, uh, this infection of this so-called bell reform and criminal justice reform take root within our community? There's a lot of questions that need to be answered there, and there's a lot of people that don't want anybody looking at that. Well, that's a great point. And, and the Indianapolis City Council, for instance, um, keeps throwing money uh, every budget here recently, they, they throw money at the issue of quote unquote crime reduction. And all they do is they, is they direct that money to an organization, CFIC, um, which uh, it, it has as part of its charter to decide where that money goes. And at least in part, 
in terms of multiple six figures, some of that money has gone to one particular organization. But like you said, the 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 bill at issue here isn't specific to the the bail project. It's it's any of these organizations. But some of this money is coming from the city county council through CFIC, going to groups like the 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 bail project, and then that money's being used to put violent criminals on the street who turn around and hurt people. I'll guarantee you there are people that don't want all the the layers pulled off that onion. Well, and and here and here we go, right? It's CICF, and oh, what? I'm the, sorry, I said that wrong. You're that's right. That's okay. CICF. CICF, but what is happening is that was done under the guise of taking politics out of the decision making process. Well founded, that's fair. But here's the dilemma: the chair of the public safety committee, who is determining what will be uh, 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 funneled to that organization, is an employee of that organization. Now, that's not me saying that. That's him saying it. Chairman Leroy Robinson of Public Safety is over their major gift-giving section of that foundation, so much to the extent that he himself has to publicly state that and recuse himself from voting on those dollars being directed to his employer, his organization, yet he's the chair that directs what will go there and what's going to be debated. There is an inherent conflict of interest in that, and uh, yet no one wants to discuss that. Uh, now here we sit. Uh, we find out that the courts are backtracking. We've got a prosecutor that's pointing fingers, but the prosecutor is just as much playing a role with the sweetheart plea deals that he's given to repeat violent offenders. And so the circle continues to, to be completed. At the same time, the revolving door spins faster. More people are victimized in our community. And we sit here in a city where three out of every four homicide victims are our fellow black neighbors. And it's your police officers and the organization that represents them that's pounding the table and demanding that people stop and intervene and do something about this. Uh, yet nothing gets done. So that's why we're grateful to Senator Freeman and his peers at the State House. And I'm confident that we'll get some traction and, and some ultimate passage over there with the support of the governor. Guy, I can assure you when I work with Rick in the grand jury, the prosecutor's office, he didn't call me Senator Freeman. And I've been called <laughs> Senator Freeman twice. I, I'll just say this. I, I think we got to look at, you know, in terms of the prosecutor's office, we got to look at the over 40% of the cases, as I understand it, in, in 2021, when when the police officers do their job and they put somebody in a in a van bring them downtown my understanding is over 40 percent of those people have never been charged with a crime i mean there are some huge numbers that you can look at and when you start diving into this we've got some there's an issue um and where the where that issue belongs who knows but I can assure what you, you what you mean by that is forty percent that we arrest don't ultimately get charged, charged by the prosecutor's yeah, office. That's you, correct. You, so you've got, at least so you've got IMPD officers out there doing their job, taking bad people off the street, and then here we go. I mean, forty percent charges of are not ever even filed. never filed. So they walk out the door, and then there's no services. There's no nothing that that follows up with that. And and then we sit here and wonder. Well, wait a minute. Why are we in this situation? Well, what what why does why is crime a problem? Well, let me ask you this. All of these seem like, you know, I hate to overuse the word common sense, and we know that's one of the most commonly or most overused and misused terms on the planet, uh, but these seem pretty common sense. Um, what do you think the appetite really is in the General Assembly on a statewide basis uh, to move something like this forward? Well, look, I serve with really good people, but if you, you know, if you represent, and I'm just picking out Fort Wayne or some, you know, if you pick whatever region of the state you pick, right, it's, you, you think... Uh, there's this anti-Indianapolis sentiment sometimes, you know, people that they represent, you know, everything's given to Indianapolis, which isn't true, but, you know, they think that. And then, you know, all the attention's paid to this. You know, I brought up the fact of 
the convention business and and you know i firmly believe it and i think everybody else should you know indianapolis is the economic engine of the state i mean if we've got a real problem here folks we're going to have a huge problem in in small town indiana so we got to get this right but i think my colleagues understand the problem i think they get it um you know i mean for three months this year we're going to live here i mean you know i live here all the time but you know my colleagues are going to be here no matter where they live throughout the city and and they get it i mean you can't watch the news you can't walk down the street everybody's talking about it the news media is reporting on it i mean you've dedicated you know i'm thankful to you that we're going to go an hour and a half on the topic and frankly could probably take your entire morning and afternoon on the topic so i I think people get it and i think they'll be supportive will these be assigned and and you may not know i looked on the uh General Assembly website before the show today, and the, the bills hadn't been published there, so I couldn't see if they've been assigned to a committee yet. I'm guessing these will go to Senator Young's uh, uh, criminal law or, or uh, crime and criminal law committee, um, and which bodes well for them getting a hearing. But do, do you know if they've been assigned to Senator Young's uh, committee or not? My understanding is Senator Bray uh, is going to assign, I think, is going to assign all these to, to Chairman Young's committee. And my understanding is January 11th, he's going to hear all five of them. Uh, we're going to start at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we're going to try to run all five of them that day. Well, you know, there's a, an important piece of information to get out there. Because, you know, as somebody who is active in the political process, um, the hearings make a difference. And, and attendance uh, at these hearings make a difference. I've been in uh, 2A-related uh, committee hearings uh, where it was me, uh, maybe the guy from from uh, NRA, and then 400, uh, you know, or however many can pack into a room of uh, ladies in red T-shirts that say "Moms Demand Action" on them, uh, that are you know they're booing and 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 or clapping depending on who's speaking, um, and it makes a difference. Um, and so, um, if if in fact these are uh, assigned to uh, Senator Young's committee and, in fact, are going to be heard on January 11th. This is an opportunity for citizens to participate in the political process. And we could use it. I mean, everybody. Absolutely. It, and again, to Rick's point earlier, it affects everybody. No matter where you live, no matter you know if you're downtown or in whatever neighborhood in Indianapolis you are, this matters. And we have to get this right. And we really want to help the locals. We really want to help Mayor Hawkset and his team. I mean, we, we really do. I mean, we couldn't have. I think Chairman Young, in in those briefing uh, meetings we had on Wednesday, he said it to every group. This isn't politics. This isn't. This ha- this has nothing to do with politics. We love our city and we want to help it. Well, I'll tell you, it's time to take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the discussion on this issue. Um, I want to talk some specifics um, coming out of these bills. For instance, I want to ask uh, a police officer's perspective on how many people are getting arrested with either ankle monitors. Uh, already uh, on them, or that have pried one off, um, and 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 how much that could potentially impact uh, crime in Indianapolis if, to some degree, we can cut down on that thing happening. Um, that is, people uh, simply not being monitored uh, as they uh, destroy or, or remove their devices, and some of the other specifics in these bills. As we wrap up the discussion on these crime reduction initiatives uh, coming out of these five bills that have now been filed in the Indiana General Assembly. Right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Rilford uh, in for Tony Katz on Tony Cast Today. And welcome back. I'm Guy Rolford in for Tony Katz on Tony Cast Today. I've got Senator Aaron Freeman right here in the studio along with FOP President Rick Snyder talking about some crime reduction initiatives. And, and I, I got to tell you, um, the, the the bail project issue uh, 
gets a lot of, of media attention. And, and again, I don't want to uh, make it sound like this bill is limited to one particular organization. It's not. Um, and I think that's important. And I think that'll be important in getting it passed. Um, but in terms of the, the number of criminal acts that could potentially be prevented in this city, um, I'm excited about all of these as well, exactly as Rick said. But I got to tell you, the one, uh, Senate Bill 9, about ankle monitoring, we see so many examples of people being out on, on ankle monitoring. And, 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 and Rick, correct me if this, if, on this if I'm wrong, because I, I, if, as I recall, I'm quoting you. But Indianapolis has more people, not more per, per capita, but more people either who are awaiting trial who, but, or are, who are out after having been convicted on ankle monitors than any other city in the country. Is that, is that accurate? Am I quoting you accurately? Yep, that? that's correct. And uh, that's been undisputed by our community corrections and department of probation. So over 4,000 on any given day, the average is usually 4,300 are on GPS monitoring for pretrial release or post-conviction standards. Um, in the city of Indianapolis. There's no other city in the country that even comes close to that. That's mind-boggling to me. So then in that context, you look at Senate Bill 9, and this does a number of things. First of all, it provides more resources so somebody can actually monitor the the ankle monitors that you know and where people are leaving the place they're supposed to be restricted to or someone rips it off their ankle or breaks it or somehow uh, renders it uh, out of commission. But it, it does more than that. Um, it also says that, and, and Aaron Freeman, uh, Senator Freeman was explaining to this to me during the break, that if you remove your monitor, you now lost the ability to be out on ankle monitoring on supervised release or otherwise, and you go to jail and yeah. you stay in jail uh, and, until you're tried. Uh, and if you're sentenced, you you serve your sentence. As a as a police officer, and, and not only that, but as someone who represents a heck of a lot of other, of other officers, uh, how do you feel about this one? Well, it's huge. It'll be a game changer because it says that uh, uh, accountability matters. And so uh, the reason why we have so many on these GPS monitoring is because our judges are hedging their bets. Now, here again is a key example that something's not right. If, if the judges in this county believe so firmly in criminal justice reform efforts that have taken root in this community and said that we're going to give little or no bond even to repeat violent offenders, they wouldn't be doing this GPS. The reason why they're doing that is to hedge their bets on people that they know should not be coming out into our community. Otherwise, why would you put them on the monitoring? And so that's why the numbers have drastically gone up so much. And what's key in this is that it not only revokes it and says you will now sit in jail if you violate this, you'll now sit in jail until your trial or the completion of your post-conviction requirements, but it also says that you revoke any bail that was paid. Now, here's the other issue that people forget about. Who pays for those GPS monitors? Who's wearing it? Because here's the fallacy and the great argument that we hear from these charitable bail organizations is that uh, while there is truth to uh, cash bail bonds can negatively impact, disparately impact the poor and communities of color, what we contend is so does violence. And here's the other thing. When we do these bells or the bell organization pays it, they put them on GPS monitoring. Nobody talks about who pays for the GPS monitor. It's the offender themselves uh, up to $14 a day. And often by the time they complete their GPS monitoring, they have paid more than what they would have paid on a regular standard bond. So that shows the, the fallacy in what's being put forward. And I think it's the great step of what Senator Walker is doing, which is uh, closing those loopholes and actually having accountability. And the final thing I would say is this other bill by Senator Kreider with the community 
grants. This is huge because it tackles this uh, political involvement, this political skewing with our crime prevention grant dollars that's going on in the city of Indianapolis, where you see an organization like the Indy 10 Point Coalition and Reverend Harrison, who have demonstrably demonstrated their value, and they continue to do that with, with little or no funding from the city anymore. That got cut off from them under a political umbrella. What this does is it says that the city of Indianapolis can apply to the Indiana Criminal Justice Institute. It it bypasses that political forum that's here in the, in the city, and it breaks that logjam loose for community uh, crime prevention grants. The Assistant Chief of IMPD recently did a video endorsing the Indy 10 Point Coalition and talking about his specific history and witness it, witness to the successful outcomes that come with a partnership between IMPD and the 10 Point Coalition. Why on earth are we not partnering with them if if that's if that's the case? It's because politics has infiltrated that, and Senator Kreider's bill will help bypass that and break that loose. And one we haven't talked a lot about, but I, I do think um, information is always important, uh, especially information on violent perpetrators, information on people, uh, what charges they've been brought in on, w- what the terms of their release might be. Um, there are whole, there's a whole lot of information out there, and a lot of times uh, agencies are, are restricted to some degree on how much they can communicate. And one of the things uh, that I really like uh, about the these initiatives that have, that have been brought forward and filed is uh, Senate Bill 7, which is Senator Jack Sandlin's uh, bill. And I'm not surprised that Jack uh, filed this because, uh, as Aaron said earlier, Jack had a whole uh, a profession, a whole career in law enforcement. Deputy Chief of IMPD. Yeah. Deputy Chief of IMPD. And, and, and he's uh, been involved in a lot of other uh, legislation. Um, and, you know, I think his perspective as a law enforcement officer helps a hell of a lot. And I think um, that's exactly why this is his bill, because he understands um, the need to communicate um, among agencies. And so what his bill does is it creates what's essentially a crime reduction board that's res- that has a, as its responsibility, um, the ter- and I like this term, interoperability uh, among law enforcement agencies. And, 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 and again, it's from the perspective uh, of a cop, Rick, uh, do you see a benefit in this as well? And I'm not just trying to toss you a, a soft pitch. Uh, I would assume you do. But how do you think this can help law enforcement officers? Well, I think the biggest way is that we won't repeat the uh, flawed step that we had during the riots. The governor won't have to wait for a request from the city. The interoperability agreement will already be in place. And when they choose and, and identify that they need to intervene, the state police or others, they'll have the ability to do that and help support our rank-and-file officers. Fantastic. Well, listen, thanks so much to FOP President Rick Snyder, State Senator Aaron Freeman. Important discussion, and we hope folks get out and support this legislation. I'm Guy Relford, in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today.